Welcome to Storytelling with Lindsay Bednar. So I am here with Josh Newman, the founder of the successful and beautifully intentional lip balm company, Kind Lips. So Josh, I want to first start by having you go into your previous career before Kind Lips and how you shifted away from that and you had a nudge to follow something else and how that came to be. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. And before Kind Lips, I was in real estate. And, you know, I, I got into real estate kind of by happens chance. I went to school to be a special education teacher and I was student teaching and I was like, I don't want to be a teacher anymore. And so at that point, it was too late to not finish getting my college degree. So I went through with that and then got into the real world and figured out I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life and bounced around to a few different jobs, tried I tried real estate, tried in the banking, financing industries, and it honestly was about five years it took me of bouncing around and doing odd jobs and not feeling like I was feeling like I fit in anywhere. And I couldn't find anything I wanted to do. And it was really stressful because, you know, throughout high school, college, I'd always been successful kind of at, at life and everything that I did and and life just kind of fell in. So that that five years after not knowing what I wanted to do was was a really humbling time in my life. And and I actually had a fifth job interview with a commodity trading company and I didn't get the job. And I was, you know, continued to be devastated, wondering if I would ever amount to anything. And I had a friend that worked for a, a local real estate company in Minneapolis who who kept nudging me to come help them out. And he knew I had previous experience in that. And so I was like, I had nowhere to go. So I was like, yeah, I'll come, I'll come try that. And I fell in love with it. And it was fascinating to me because, you know, the five years earlier when I was in the industry, I, I didn't like it at all. And so I fell in love with it and ended up doing it for 12 years. And 10 of those years, I genuinely, I thought I had the best job in the world. And I woke up every day. I would work seven days a week. And um, I loved everyone I worked with. I liked doing what I was doing. And I thought I would do it for the rest of my life. And after about 10 years, I woke up and kind of had a similar feeling of like, I'm not happy anymore. And that was a really big shock because, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to be financially secure for the rest of my life. I'm going to have all these things set. And then I realized, I was like, all right, life is changing and I'm changing and it's time to do something different. And so sat down on my couch one night, kind of self-talk. What am I going to do with the rest of my life? I've never had a nine to five job. I need to figure out what I'm going to do and looked down at my hand and was twirling a lip balm and realized. I've always liked lip balm. This can't be rocket science to start a lip balm company. And, and that's kind of how the idea of starting a lip balm company came about. Wow. So one of the things that you said that really spoke to me is how throughout your journey, you were you were on a path that you felt like you were good at, you were successful. You were going to continue doing that for the foreseeable future. And I feel like that is... Uh, common with a lot of people who end up leaving their careers. It's not that they were always unhappy or they they weren't making a sufficient you know amount of money. It's that there comes to be a point where there's just like this awakening that happens and there's a fulfillment that's missing. And I think a lot of people are feeling that right now. 
I've heard of it called the great resignation of how people are leaving corporate in the nine to five. And, but I think for a lot of people, it's just too scary to, to think about, you know, leaving that financial security. And so for you to do that, that's, that's awesome. And, And then to have that moment of when you looked at your lip balm, was it like, this is it? Or were you just kind of toying around with an idea for a little bit? Well, I definitely have been accused of having ideas and being very excited about them. And then, you know, two days later, them not being great ideas. So, so I did, uh, you know, so that, that always kind of run that filter through, through the back of my head when I have an idea. And so how it worked is that I had the thought of starting a lip balm company and I didn't think it was going to be a full-time job. I honestly thought it would be a creative outlet side gig that I could still do real estate. And this, that would be at least give me some fulfillment. And my mom happened to call me after I'd had the idea of starting a lip balm company about something completely different. And at the end of the conversation, I I said, mom, like, she knew I wasn't happy with real estate. And she's, I'm like, I had the idea about starting a lip balm company. And I think I'm going to call it blessed lips. And it's going to be prayed over and blessed and marketed towards like yogis and kind of more the spiritual side, because I had seen there's this Japanese scientist, Dr. Emoto, and he did the rice study. If you've ever heard of it, and I'll tell it quick, but he took these three jars of rice, put water and rice in each of them, labeled one love, one hate, and one he didn't label at all, would walk up to each jar for 30 days, say, I love you, say, I hate you, and the third one just walk up to it. And at the end of the 30-day experiment, the jar he said, I love you to, the rice stayed white. The rice he said, I hate you, it turned black and moldy, and the one that was, he didn't say anything to, it was just kind of brown. And it was just that physical proof of how powerful our words are. Mm -hmm. And so that was going to be the idea of blessed lips. And so I told my mom my idea and she's like, oh, sweetie, you'll be great at whatever you're going to do. I got to go because she's heard a lot of ideas, you know? And so (laughs) I was a little, I was just so excited about this idea, but I was a little butthurt that she got off the phone so quick. And (laughs) the next morning at 6 a.m., my phone was ringing and it was my mom. And that was very not normal for her to call that early. So I assumed something was bad. And she said she had the most vivid dream she's ever had in her life. And she's been up for three hours waiting to call me. She said, in the dream, my sister and I got in this massive fight. I was a young five, six years old. My sister's a couple years older than me. We got a massive fight. And um, for my punishment, I was like sitting at this only desk in this middle of this old school building. And I had to write the law of kindnesses on my lips. And I had to repeat it 50 times. And she was standing behind me as I wrote each sentence. And as I'm writing the sentence, the words kind and lips were highlighted. And she's telling me this at 6 a.m. And she's like, I think if you're going to start a lip balm company, you're supposed to call it kind lips. And I and it, I didn't even think about it. And it just came out of me right away. I was like, you're right. And each, you know, obviously you put lip balm on your lips and your words pass through your lips. So each tube is a reminder to speak kind words. She's like, yeah, I think that's the intention. And so... Wow. So she redeemed herself from the from the <laughs> night before. And um, yeah, I got off the phone and went to buy the the website for Kind Lips. And that was that was available. So I was like, all right, it's meant to be. This just got real. And so then I had to learn how to make lip balm. So that's amazing. I mean, talk about divine intervention with your mom getting a dream and then it coming together so quickly. Yeah, that's yeah, she's scary. she's wonderful. So that's awesome. So, and then, okay. So then you get into just, I assume, tinkering around in your kitchen and trying to figure out how do you even make lip balm? 
<laughs> yeah, that yeah, was like, all right, like, what does anybody do now? Like, I always think like, what would a 15 year old or 10 year old do go to YouTube? So I went to YouTube and, and learned, um, watch a bunch of different videos. And then I honestly probably had 150 different tubes of lip balm that I purchased. And I wrote, I had a yellow notepad of paper and wrote down every ingredient off of every lip balm I could find. And then I started crossing off the ingredients if they weren't natural or organic. So I was like, okay, this is going to be, I knew if it was going to be a reminder to speak kind words, it also had to be very kind for your lips. And so I wanted to make a really high quality product or the highest quality I could. And so I just kept toying with ingredients, kept whittling them down. And I was like, all right, what are the best of these, you know, ingredients? And it was like, I could do like castor oil or sunflower oil or avocado oil or olive oil. And, you know, you don't need more than one of those. And so it's like, all right, olive oil seems to be the highest rated, the most high quality ingredient. So let's use it. And I don't want to have a bunch of filler products in there. And so, um, yeah, so then it was like my Fridays and Saturdays, I'd be at home mixing lip balm. Of course, I'd pour a glass of red wine. Then I would uh, mix lip balm on the stove and pour it into little tubes and wait for it to dry and then try it and hand it out to friends and family and get feedback and just kept whittling with it until I got a formula where I'm like, I would, I would buy this and I would use it. So Wow. Yeah, I I've got some right here. So we've got several. This is the bubblegum one that oh, fun. use. Yeah. And the uh the first ingredient is coconut oil. So did that come in later? Because you said you, you were using olive oil first? Because coconut no, oil. No, I, I was just sorry, I was using that as an example of like sure. coconut oil is a little bit more solid at room temperature. So you need a mixture of like really hard, like a beeswax, and you need you know, like a lighter or an oil that's liquid at room temperature. So you need kind of like a mix of everything so that it stays somewhat. So when you put it on your lips, it will like glide on right. rather than just using one or the other. So, so that was just an example of one of the oils that are liquid at room temperature okay. that I was trying to figure out what is the best one of those to use, but yeah. So how long did it take you from concept to you got it. And now I have to figure out how to start making this in bulk because I feel like that part would be a very difficult jump. Like I can make some in my kitchen, give out to family and friends, but then what was that span of time and what was that process like for you? It probably took me about eight weeks by the time I had the formula to where I wanted it to be. And then I knew at that moment as Kind of at, once my mom had that dream, I knew in that moment that kind lips was going to be a bigger deal than just a, a hobby. Mm-hmm. So I really didn't spend any time making it in my other than just trying to come up with the right formula. I didn't make any time, take any time doing it for friends and families. After I developed the formula, I started Googling like, all right, lip balm manufacturers. And that took like another couple months to even get like the right numbers of the right people. And then I went around the country and toured the different facilities. And there's only certain ones that will that will make organic products. And so that was probably so from the time that I thought about having a lip balm company to actually having a tube of kind lips with the label on it was around a year. So oh yeah. That seems like a quick turnaround from con- concept to to doing it. But I think, you know, for part of what your story is, is how guided it was and how, like you said, as soon as your mom gave you the idea for the 
for the name. It was kind of like, this is it. And, and now I just need to figure out the steps to get there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was really, um, you know, it's funny thinking back on it a year sounds quick, but you know, when you're in the middle of it, that it takes (laughs) forever. One of the most, one of my favorite moments early on was I had just a blank white tube of stuff that I'd made on my stove. And I knew that it was like, I knew it was kind lips, but there wasn't a label or anything on it. And there's a, a restaurant in Minneapolis that I go to often called Brasa and I get takeout food from Brasa and, and I'm in line waiting for my food to get ready. And I put on my kind lips and I'm, I've been very introverted for the majority of my life. And I don't like, you know, I just keep my mouth shut, go about my day and do my own thing. And, and for me to public speak and, or, or go out of my way to say something to somebody that I don't know, I would get like hot and sweaty and and nervous. And so I'm putting on my tube of kind lips and I look over and there's these two women having dinner and they're probably in their 60s, 70s. And, and I was putting it, I'm like, they're just most, they're just both beautiful women. They just seem like these very elegant, beautiful women. That was a thought. And I was like, I need to go say something to them. And then I was like, nope, that's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward. And I walked by them and then I turned around and I was like, I just want to let you know that I thought you both were really beautiful. And then I like got out of there quick before, you know, I said, just because I was so nervous and I'm like, and I got, it's like, why do I need to be nervous? I don't want to be, you know, it's a genuinely nice thought. I should share that with them. They should hear that. And, and that was, you know, like the, I knew that the least I felt at that time, I'm like, okay, maybe this product will really make an impact on culture because it had already, even before I had the, the real stuff had already made an impact on my life. And and being a prompt to force me to get out of my comfort zone and and actually spread kindness. Mm-hmm. That simple reminder. I mean, it's so powerful. And I, I want to talk about you know what you're you're giving back, and it's it's twenty percent of your sales that yeah. go towards ending bullying. Yeah, yeah, it's been really fun. So when I was a little kid, I got a dollar a week for allowance for doing chores, and and I hated it until I got to college and I realized that I was the only one of my roommates that actually knew how to vacuum or clean dishes or do any kind of <laughs> chores. So if anybody's out there with kids, like make them do chores because they'll appreciate it when they're older. And um, so I got a dollar a week and we go to church on Sundays and I'd always have to bring a dime and give 10% to the offering bucket. And so that was, those were some values that were instilled in me growing up. And when I was in real estate, I always gave 10% of my gross income to church or charity. And that was like the first thing I would do when I would get paid is just donate that. And as I became more successful in that career, I could afford and felt comfortable giving more than 10%. So I wanted to challenge myself. And so I started like, I was like, all right, I'm going to give 20%. And I realized real soon that that was a really difficult thing for me to do personally, where I was like, oh, I'm giving 10. That's good. And if it was a smaller check, I'd want to give 20. If it was like a really big commission check, you know, it's like, well, 10% is good enough. And so mm-hmm. when I decided to start Kind Lips, I was like, I'm just going to give 20 right away. Otherwise, I'm never going to get there. And we're just going to have to build the business around it. It's going to have to figure out, we're going to have to figure out how to make it profitable. And but like, I'm committed to giving this 20% to, to truly make an impact. And that's how the 20% came about. And I didn't know right away, you know, when I was in high school or middle school, the the term bullying wasn't really an issue. 
you know, I think you would go get initiated by the upperclassmen and, and different stuff like that. But I never really identified as being bullied, even though I know that I probably was by today's standards. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't have like any kind of because people always ask me, oh, were you bullied as a kid? And and I and thankfully I wasn't bullied any more than anybody else. And but like I, I was thinking about it being an a reminder to speak kind words. And what is the opposite of that is being mean and or bullying. And, and there was so much bullying happening, happening in the school systems, happening online on social media. And so that's where the idea of, of donating to anti-bullying organizations. And then weirdly enough, the one of the largest, if not the largest in the country, Pacer Foundation is actually based in, in Minnesota. And so it was a real easy connection to be able to add them to the list and go meet with them and see their heart behind what they're doing. And that's so cool. And I love that you're taking a proactive approach. I, I taught in high schools for 12 years before I became a publisher, started podcasting. And, you know, there's all these kinds of bullying initiatives, but what I saw work the best was really creating that culture of kindness first, rather than what are we going to do once it happens? You know, what are these intervention steps? And it's something I talk to my kids about all the time. Good grades are great. And any kind of like sports accolades, it's, you know, we're happy for them. But the the thing we stress the most always is what's your character? How are you treating them? Yeah. So our conversations when they get home from school have shifted to uh, what did you do to show kindness today? You know, whether it's the other day, my son had a they're playing football at recess and there was a kid who's normally not included. And somebody said, you know, our, the team's full and Garrison kind of encouraged to say there's enough room, like we can all play or sitting by somebody at the lunch table who doesn't normally have people to sit with. And when you start to focus on those things, the, the, the bullying just starts to decrease because there's such a shift. And so I love that you're taking that proactive approach and, and with words of kindness. And I'd love to know what it is. I I know you have some involvement with the schools and what you're doing with that realm as well. Yeah. Well, first of all, just thank you for the way that you're, you're raising your children. And I think having those conversations at home is really important. And I think it is that, yeah, that proactive, that's kind of, you know, to go back to my teacher roots, it's, it's that proactive thought process that if, Kids are worried if they're thinking about their actions, if they're cognitive of their actions and how they're impacting other people and they're trying to be kind there. If you're trying to be kind, you're not going to be bullying anybody, Mm -hmm. you know, so we don't want to go around and point the finger and tell anybody that they're being a a bad person. But we just want to instill little behavior modifications that might, you know, trigger something for them to be kind Mm -hmm. and um, be focused on that. So after I had the official Kind Lips product. And it was, man, three months into having the business. And the Kind Lips World Headquarters was out of my second bedroom in my condo. And, and somebody, I had an order for 33 tubes on our website. And I was really excited because that was at that time was the largest order that I'd had. And um, and so I mailed it out and it was it was about three months later. And I still remember the woman's name because I got another email from her and she's like, you know, I ordered these 33 tubes a few months ago and and I would love to talk to you about my experience with them. And I was like, oh, great. Like, I'm going to probably get sued. Like something bad happened. <laughs> and uh, so we we set up a time to talk and she starts telling me that she's a third grade teacher and she's been teaching for 18 years 
And she had the most behaviorally challenged classroom that she'd ever had. And she had heard about our kind lips. And so she bought the tubes for her classroom and some other teachers. And she gave them to each one of the kids, third graders, and did a lesson plan around it. And she said that kids all kept the tubes of lip balm in their desk. And every time they put it on, they would give somebody around them a compliment. And she said that and she, that was kind of part of her lesson plan. She's like, what ended up happening that she didn't teach or tell the kids to do if she said, if Johnny was being mean, the other kids would tell Johnny that he should put his kind lips on. They didn't tell him that he was being mean or, you know, start crying. They're like, you should put your kind lips on. So Johnny learned to self-reflect and realize what his behaviors, you know, the actions or the harm that his behaviors were causing. She said that it's been three months now, and it's now one of the most well-behaved classrooms that I've ever taught. And she's like, I can't believe it, like how fast it transformed. And and I got off the phone and I was just thinking like, man, well, if it works for her classroom, why can't this work for anybody else's classroom and or corporate environment? Because so many adults are mean and bullying and never really change those behaviors from, from high school and middle school. And so so I got off the phone and I started thinking about that and played around with the idea of starting a school program for a couple of years. And so now we have a program that, you know, a mom or grandma or granddad or father can buy it for their kids' classroom and, and or schools have bought it for their entire school systems. And basically there's a video that gets shown to the students. There's a curriculum that for the teachers to implement that shows them helps teach the kids about kindness and being aware of their behaviors. They get a tube of lip balm, they have to give compliments. And then one thing that you're already doing that I think is important that we added is there's a letter for the school to send home to the parents. And it and it basically is a reminder and a prompt for the parents to talk to their kids about the power of their words and and ask them about questions if they had been bullied or seen bullying in school or how can they help somebody. You know, so really what you're doing. And so we really wanted, we know that parents care. They're working all day and they're trying to get food on the table and do laundry and they might not remember. And so that letter has been really powerful to to create those conversations at home and, and um, you know, having a positive impact on the, the behaviors. So. That's so cool. What an amazing testament for that teacher and and now to see totally. of it, my gosh. And yeah, if it wasn't for my mom and, and pretty basically I'm, I'm not that smart. So it's like everybody <laughs> around me and like, please reach out and give me advice and, yeah. and stuff. Cause I need it. So I'll, I'll listen to it. And, and then one other thing, I, I mean, this might be fun to do on, on here. Cause I just had this over the weekend where there's a guy by the name of Jamie Winship. And I was listening to some different uh, I read his book and was listening to some podcasts and he talks a lot about identity, but he was doing a training session with um, teachers and principals. And he said, all right, everybody close your eyes. And he said, if you've ever listened, if you've ever heard a voice in your head that says you're not good enough, that you're ugly, you're overweight, you know, and listed off quite a few and everybody, he said, raise their hand. And he said, if you've ever heard a voice that says, you're amazing, you're beautiful, you're smart, you know, you're attractive, like raise your hand and nobody did. And that really hit me because I've, I've dealt with um, my self-worth for a lot of years. And I've really tried to tackle that over the past, like three, three years, but those behaviors are learned early on, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I think when I was in school, we learned that we learn about 85 to 90% of what we're going to know our entire life by the time we're eight years old. And that statistic has always just blown me away. And 
And so it's like thinking about adding it to the school program where there's almost like a pledge where these kids all raise their hand and they just pledge to be kind to themselves. They pledge to, you know, treat each other with respect, treat themselves with respect and it's a lot of the self-love stuff. So, so I'm thinking about expanding on it and just adding some more, you know, self-love and just that, that pledge to, to really truly be kind. Cause I think it, I think it makes a difference to, to vocalize it. It does. It's a whole other layer of kindness. And it really does need to start with ourselves because as we know, as adults, you know, typically the kids who are being, or even adults, anybody who is being mean, saying unkind things, they're, they're not feeling good within themselves. Right. So, you know, if we can start with, with the self-love, yeah, that that's a great initiative. And I love how the kids were checking each other just organically, like that just came out of it. And it's so cool when they're empowered with a tool like that, how they do start to just own it. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great to hear. And I mean, it's, I mean, it's changed my life. I mean, just, you know, just little things like that is that's, Mm -hmm. I make a lot less money than I used to, and I'm way happier. And it's Mm -hmm. because of stories like that, that I get to, to hear about all the time. So there's another story I came across. It was somebody who had purchased the the kind lips and gave it to her husband. Yeah. I was hoping you could share that one because that one really blew me away too. Yeah, that was I just don't know if this story could ever be beat from a from a kind lips perspective. And it was around the first year of starting it. And um it was actually really fun. I'll preempt a story, but my mom was next to me when I had this call. And so that was really special for her to hear it and for me to have her hear it. But a woman from Michigan had reached out to us and she and uh, answered the phone and being in real estate, I'd always, you know, you never know what number's calling. So you just always answer it. And so answer the phone and and she starts, uh, she's like, asks if this is Josh. And I said, yeah. And so we start talking and she's tell me that she found her kind lips on from a friend on Facebook and and starts telling me a little background. Then she says that she's been married for 33 years. And she said the last 30 years of her marriage and life have been absolutely horrible. And she started to tell me that, you know, she works in retail. Her husband's a truck driver. And she said that he's been physically and verbally abusive for as long as she can remember. Mm-hmm. And and she's crying at this moment. And I'm kind of like, I put it on speakerphone. And uh, just so my mom could hear it, because I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. And so she's telling me this story. And then she starts saying, and she's like, I, but he likes lip balm. And she put uh, a tube of lip balm in his semi. And when people order online, we send them like the tubes. And then they have a little card that comes with it. And the card says, we believe it's not only our lips that need to be cared for, but the people around us too. Our hope is that every time you apply your kind lips, you'll remember to say something kind. And so she put that card in his semi and she said the next three weeks, nothing changed. He still would send her like mean texts, would come home at night and I'd have, you know, altercations. And she said the fourth week after doing it, like she didn't get any mean texts from him. And she said that was one of the most peaceful weeks that she could remember having. And then the fifth week, he texted her a compliment. And she's, I'm crying at this time. And she's telling me that, that that's the first compliment that she believes she's received in over 30 years from this man. And, um, and she said, it's been a few months now and their marriage is better now than it's been in the last 30 years. She's like, I don't know how it's possible, but I believe it's because of the kind lips. 
And I, and I got off the phone and, and I was like that tube of lip balm just sat in that guy's semi and it didn't judge him. It didn't, you know, do anything, but put, go on his lips and hopefully protect his lips. But, but he knew the intention of it. And it just kind of like dripping water, just warm, broke him down so that he would, you know, send a compliment. And it's real easy to do. It's just, we, you know, our egos and whatever get in the way of that in that situation. And so, yeah, so it, it, it changed the trajectory of not only her marriage, but her life, you know, and it's sad that she lived that long having to deal with that. But also it's really, really fun to know that 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 tube of lip balm just had that kind of an impact on somebody. Right. I mean, it must serve as such a behavior modification for people. Cause I know people close to me who have had, you know, postpartum or different types of struggles they've dealt with anxiety and there's that grounding technique that they do just to kind of center themselves, bring, bring themselves back to present. And so I know enough to know that when you tap into those tools, it can really change, you know, your mindset over time. And um, I mean, to think that, you know, uh, your intention with this obviously was like a gentle reminder for people to to speak kind words, but the the power of it has got to be just overwhelming and especially to see it in such a short amount of time too like you said within the first year you were starting to see these types of effects of it yeah we i mean i think it was last week i got a email we got a random email from a woman that she was at the la must have been at the la airport and her son had a severe nervous breakdown and i guess some woman spent like an hour or so helping them with their situation and so she sends us an email because the woman after the after the incident happened, like gave her a two kind lips. And she said, she's like, I think this woman said that she works for you. And she starts describing her physical appearance. And I was like, there's no one like that 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 has worked for us. And and but it's like she's like, I haven't been able to put down this tube of lip balm because it's a constant reminder of how kind this woman was. And, you know, and she was trying to track her down. And so it's like stuff like that is happening all the time. And it's you know, I think about like I, I I do genuinely love lip balm and love lip balm before kind lips and you know was semi addicted to it and so it's fun to have a product that is even if it wasn't called kind lips if it was Josh's lip balm I think it's a really good lip balm mm-hmm. and so I think people would use it but having a product that people can use and then also have there be that additional benefit of it from being a reminder to be kind. And then also whenever they buy it, the profits go somewhere good. I'm like, that's how I want other businesses to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I've helped other people that have reached out that want to start other lip balm companies. And it's like, yes, here's everything I know. Like I want, let's have, you know, if you're buying groceries or any kind of product that you're buying. Let's, let's have it be, yeah, of course, companies need to make money to pay salaries and do certain stuff, but also they can do good with it as well. And they can be you know, there can be really good intentions. And so, you know, I really want kind lips to be a win-win for everybody. If you don't care about the mission, then hopefully the product you care about and, Mm -hmm. you know, hopefully you care about it all. Right. But Yeah. Well, you spoke earlier about when we were talking about leaving a previous career and how you mentioned that you're, this is far more fulfilling even than having the success that you had within real estate. And I know for so many people, because I talk to people about this a lot, because I left teaching, which was not whatsoever a lucrative career, but it was 
it provided stability and security. I was tenured. I had fantastic uh, health benefits. And so it was still, you know, a risk leaving that part. Or so I thought at the time. But I think for so many people, what's stopping them from following something that really lights them up and they're passionate about is those fears that come into play. And so I want you to speak to a little bit about what, you know, you've said that you're happier now and what kinds of things do you wish people would understand, appreciate who are feeling the nudge to follow a passion or to leave in a job they don't feel fulfilled in? Yeah, I think that, you know, I wish that there was a one size fits all answer for that. And I know for me personally, I I can only speak to that. And I was in a position where I didn't have any responsibilities other than myself. I didn't have a wife or kids that I had to take care of. And honestly, I've thought back and like, I've wanted to be married. I've wanted to have kids, but had I been in that situation, I wouldn't have been able to take the risk. And it, and it has been a risk to walk away from that career and, and, you know, start at the bottom with, mm-hmm. you know, empty tubes of lip balm and everybody's thinking that I'm crazy. And, and it's like, I was able to do that because I knew that I was responsible for me. And if I had to, you know, go move in with a friend, then that was where I would get if if I couldn't figure out a way to make this, this work where, Mm -hmm. so that was, I think that that's one thing is just, you know, encouraging everybody that, you know, you have to have the variabilities in your life, the responsibilities do play into it. Yeah. But then there's also things, there's steps that people can take. And I think a lot of people in my experience will think about starting a company, whether it's a, a dog walking business or a, or a product. And, and they think of like all the work it's going to take. And they think of what it's going to look like a year from now, two years from now. And, and I would challenge them that you have no idea what it's going to look like. You have an idea what other people have made it look like. And you just got to take one step. And for me, it was like having the idea for lip balm. Then it was like, okay, you know, fortunately my mom had that amazing dream and I had the name of it. And then I was like, all right, now I got to figure out how to make lip balm. And so that wasn't, you know, it's like, well, I'll just watch a YouTube video and then I'll buy other tubes of lip balm. And so it just kept, you know, making progress. And, and I remember I had like the tube of lip balm done. And I remember having somebody was helping me, like, I'm not a graphic designer. So they're moving stuff around in this label where I'm telling them to move it. And I remember looking at him like, it's not perfect. I don't want to be done with this. And a friend of mine said something really beautiful to me. And she goes, and I wasn't expecting it. And she said, she goes, how many iPhones are there? I think there was like seven iPhones or something at the time. And, And she's like, well, if Apple can continue to improve their phone, why does your label need to be perfect right now? Why can't you continue to improve it? And that was a very like helpful time for me. And and like in that moment, it was like a mic drop or like, you're right. I'm just going to be done because I am a perfectionist. I wanted to be, I want everyone to like what I'm involved in and and appreciate, enjoy it. And so that really gave me the grace to just kind of step back and be like, I don't have to be perfect with this. I'm doing the best that I can. And it's a journey and it's part of that. And so I think for anybody that's considering doing something new, it's, it's just taking one step at a time and, and it's going to, you know, the same way where like the teacher reached out and talked about the school program and, and it's just continued to evolve based off of everyday life and what happens. So that's fantastic advice. I, I think 
for me and for probably most people, especially entrepreneurs, we know that we've learned the most through our mistakes than anything else. And so it's also, I think, knowing that it is, a, like you said, an ongoing journey and that not to be afraid of those mistakes because that's what's going to help us pivot and, and do better going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think striving for perfection is great knowing that that is a ongoing process and that, yeah, it's a, it's a journey. I mean, one of my favorite quotes about the entrepreneurs is we leave a nine to five to work 24 seven. And I think, you know, when you create something out of passion, it, there's that part of you that it, it doesn't feel as much like work. So you can, you can do it in your free time and it still feels awesome. So that is something that I know I've had a married to have kids. I need to, uh, I've had to work on creating those boundaries because it, when it yeah. is a passion project, it can, it can be all consuming too. The um, boundaries thing is really big. I, 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 there's a book called boundaries that changed my life. You know, when I was mm-hmm. in real estate, um, I had to read this book and I would work, honestly, it was 24 seven and, and I, I loved what I did. So it didn't seem like work, but it ruined relationships in my life because I was, you know, whenever anybody was buying a home, that was the biggest thing that they were dealing with in that time. And if I, and if I sign up to work with them, I'm going to respect that and give them, you know, as much attention as I can. And, and I did that at the detriment of other people's, you know, wanting to spend time with me. And so I had to learn boundaries where I'm like, okay, no phone calls after 8 p.m., no phone calls before 9 a.m., no, you know, Sundays and and stuff like that. That really that's huge because even if initially it's not an issue for many of us at some point, it can start to slide into that like point where you start to resent it if you're not keeping those boundaries intact. Yeah. Because everybody needs to step away at some point and have their own time. Agree. Yeah. Good. We covered so much. Did we cover the part about the the school? You got all that in the, what you wanted to say? I think so. Yeah. Okay. I'm just gonna... I love that you're asking your kid those questions at night. Oh, yeah. By the way, I don't think enough parents do that. No, my son and my son is he's such a sensitive soul and like things that most people would laugh at, even if it's like a... a a video on YouTube where somebody falls and it's like a fail or whatever, it like makes them visibly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And knowing that about him, it's like, okay, so uh, you, you can really harness that, that sensitivity for good. And yeah. And I think too, with boys, I mean, there, there's so much of that, the playground dynamic where there's a lot of, whether you're athletic or not, there's so many things where boys can be left out. And of course, girls run into all of that, especially middle school, which my daughter starts next year. So that'll be a whole nother ball game. Yeah. I couldn't imagine growing up with a, a cell phone and wanting to track myself and document where I'm at all the time. And and then just yeah. the, being that connected to all your friends. And yeah, it's a, it's a way different time than that I experienced. And it's, there's so much more opportunity for good things to be said, but also bad things to be said as well. And, you know, at that age, kids are learning, they're learning how to try and climb the social ladder. And so they're trying to figure out how to climb the social ladder. And unfortunately it just, a lot of negative behaviors come from that. Mm -hmm. So, 
are you doing anything with like middle school with uh, reach out? Uh, just our school program that we're, you know, doing. So it's really the way that we designed it is whether you're in first grade or 12th grade, I really feel like it, it's kind of the same. Like it, yeah. it's a very it, kind of like the, I mean, everything that we do is really like hopefully simple, but impactful. So it's mm-hmm. like, Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Kind lips. Like you put lip balm on your lips, you speak kind words. Like, you know, it's not rocket science stuff. And so I think our school program is like that. So that, which inherently somehow makes it effective because it's just so easy to grab onto and the idea and the message of it. So for sure. Yeah. It, there was a, a, an activity I used to do. It was from, I pulled it from a documentary called, I think the mask we wear or something. It was a lot about masculinity and how boys hide behind all of these, you know, emotions. So one of the activities was they were to, it, was on a sheet it had a face on the back side it had a blank face and then you were to sh- write down the emotions you show to the world and mm-hmm. then on the back side the emotions that are behind and so i would do that with my high school students and man was that a powerful thing oh, that sounds really cool yeah. yeah i'm gonna look that one up yeah be great for the the self-talk, you know, piece too. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think, you know, just from my own, I mean, I still remember the the day and, and the situation, but it was over COVID. And, and I remember like going to the restroom and I washed my hands and I like realized I'm like, I can't even look at myself in the mirror. And, and it wasn't that I can't, but I was, I just wasn't happy with who I am. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't anything to do with, I don't know. It's like, I just, it, it, I'm sure it comes with like, I'm just not happy with like, I'm not attractive enough. I'm not whatever enough. And it was like, those voices were always dominating me. And that's after doing, being successful in a lot of stuff. That's after, you know, um, having kind lips and knowing the intention of it. And I can go around, I could go around being nice to other people. And I really realized like, I wasn't being nice to myself. Mm. And I think you touched on this earlier on. And it's like, as soon as I and I recognize that and I was like, I have to change this. Like, I can't be a founder of this company. I can't go around preaching about kindness and not truly be kind to myself. Mm. And, and it was really sad, but also like invigorating to, to have that realization because then I identified a problem that I was having and named it. And then I, after naming it, I could go after it and learn. And so I really, the last few years started just whether it's writing myself a kind note, whether it's just forcing myself to look myself in the mirror and give myself a compliment and and do different things. And and I've the compliments that I've and the feelings that I genuinely give towards other people in my life now, they're so much more authentically kind. Mm-hmm. And I really believe that's part of why I'm as happy as I've ever been is because of where I'm at on my journey to love myself compared to where I was, you know, in previous parts of my, in my life. And I think when I'm learning to love myself, it's just so, yeah, so much easier to just be genuinely happy and kind to everyone else and um, myself included. Absolutely. And there's such an amount of vulnerability it takes to be, to give those authentic kind, like compliments and to really like be honest about how you feel about somebody and what you see in them. So that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, and it's you're so right. But when you learn, or when I, my journey way is learning to love myself. Like, if I give a compliment to somebody and they get awkward about it, 
that's for them. You know, right. like I know yeah. it's coming from a really good place. It's coming from a genuine place and I can't control how other people receive it, Yeah, you know? And as long as my litmus test is if I can go to bed at night with a clean conscience, then keep it up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I'm never going to be as good as I want to be, but I'm never going to, I'm always want to be better than I was the day before. And yeah, that's it. It's just one day at a time, figure it out. So good. There are so many things that I loved about our conversation. One being just the values that were instilled in you as a kid from both the kindness to the paying it forward, I think is remarkable. And it's, you know, we've had some situations with our kids where we've done that, but that like how that every Sunday you took a dime and paid it forward to the church. That's so important because that repetition really does make it ingrained in how you operate in the world. So I'm absolutely going to be taking that with me and applying it with my family. The other pieces that I love are how you discussed leaving a job that wasn't fulfilling and taking a chance on something that uh, was really going to bring you happiness and fulfillment and doing so with such intention. And then of course the giving back piece and how that's already come around and you've seen the effects of, of, of kind lips. That's pretty remarkable. How can people connect with what you're doing? I mean, your products are everywhere. You know, I've, I think this particular one, we got at Lululemon, um, but we've bought it online before we've bought it a lot of places. So how can people find out about your school programs, your your website, your your products, all of it? Yeah. Well, our website is kindlips.com and all the information about the school program is on there. Otherwise, we're on Amazon and a lot of, you know, boutiques and local grocery stores and that sort of stuff. So so we're continuing to to see it expand and talking to some big box and Funny enough, we're probably more on the East and West Coast than we are in the Midwest. And so it's just kind of no fun to see where where these little tubes end up. And we're in Japan. So if you're ever in Tokyo at Barney's in uh, Tokyo, you'll find kind lips there. So it's just been really fun. A lot of places in Australia. So it's yeah. So it's just like, how does this stuff end up somewhere? And and um, it, it's yeah. So it's, I'm very humbled by and I genuinely mean mean that it's like humbling to see like the emails that come through and the little impact that that just a tube of lip balm can have and so just to encourage anybody to that if you have a thought I mean so many people thought this was a dumb idea for me to leave what I was doing and do this (laughs) and so if you have a thought and you believe in it do it or email me find me at joshakindlips.com I would love to encourage you and and uh, help you out or answer questions or talk through, you know, more of my journey and what it looks like to start a business and all aspects of it. So I, I love the the mentorship side of stuff. And so if I can help anybody, I mean, please feel free to reach out. Very cool. Well, thank you so much. I so appreciate your time and I love what you're doing. I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. 